Hey y'all, we're Kristen and Emily. Besties who love talking about female-driven cinema. Come along for the ride as we talk about landmark films with female writers, directors, actors, and producers. We aim to highlight women's stories and the characters they bring to life on the big screen. So buckle up and join us on this female-driven journey. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Frida Kahlo was one of the most original women of her time. I didn't come here for fun or to flirt. If I'm not good enough, I have to do something else to help my parents. Hey, listen, if you think I'm going to sleep with you just because you've taken me under your wing, you're wrong. I was painting murals and womanizing in peace when you came along. <laughs> Behind the romance, We'll have to get married, you know. But you don't believe in marriage? Of course I do. I've had two wives already. To Diego and Frida. Diego and Frida! Behind the glamour. You paint her too, Mrs. Rivera. Just killing time. She's much better than me. You'll see. All right, people. We are here to discuss... Hi, everyone. Hi. We are here this evening to discuss mm-hmm. a movie that came out 20 years ago called Frida. Frida! Yes. Oh, it was nice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Kiki's hidden talents. Um, That's right. Yeah. I, You know where it came from? Where? It was neighborhood competitions when I was a kid okay. of who could sing like the Little Mermaid the best. Did you win? Uh, no. Who won? Uh, <laughs> my older sister. I was going to say, call her out she right now. so good. <laughs> Jenna. Jenna won. Jenna won. Really? But she, I was second. Would she still and win? I, would she win today? I think, yes. I think the main voters were me and my sister. <laughs> well, then so how did she win, though? <laughs> draw your own conclusions. <laughs> oh, God. But, okay, well... I mean, I'm definitely open. Childhood gem. I'm up for for a rematch if. Oh. You are. Yeah, if we hit a thousand subscribers, we will sing the Little Mermaid. Sure. In a competition. Okay. And we'll vote, and we're the only two votes. Sure. The only two contestants, or the only two people. Yeah. Okay. Both. The only two people voting. Okay. Cool. That's right. right. Good, very good. Yes. So Frida, yes, we are here to discuss Frida, a movie that came out 20 years ago. And this was a very important film for the star and the producer, Selma Hayek, and we will definitely be getting into that. But just to give you the stats on this, this movie was directed by the famous, or maybe we should say infamous, Julie Taymor at this point, (laughs) with a screenplay by Clancy Seagal, Diane Lake, Gregory Nava, and Anna Thomas. And I'm pretty sure Edward Norton was a ghostwriter on this. Yes. Yeah, he was. Um, and he's in it briefly. He does a cameo in it. As Rockefeller, right? And then it's based on a book by Hayden Herrera, Frida, a biography of Frida Kahlo, and of course stars Selma Hayek as Frida Kahlo, and Selma was also a producer on the film. She played a major role in getting this film made. So we'll probably talk more about that than the actual movie. (laughs) Because I was far more interested in the film making process, the process behind this film being made than I was in the Mm. film, unfortunately. (laughs) Or or maybe fortunately, but um, 
get into it, shall I? Yeah. Yeah, I tell us the synopsis. Sure. To give our listeners uh, okay. a little taste. I will. So, this is a biopic. Is it biopic or biopic? I've heard both. I've heard biopic, but... Okay, well, I'm going to say biopic. I don't know. Biopic of the bold and controversial life of artist Frida Kahlo. Set in Mexico City, this visually evocative film traces her lifelong tempestuous relationship with her mentor. They don't even name him, but it would be Diego Rivera. <laughs> Along with her, <clears throat> yep. mm-hmm. yes, along with her illicit affairs with Trotsky and various women, her forward-thinking artistic, political, and sexual attitudes are explored as we witness a hard-drinking, passionate woman of the early 1900s, which earned an Oscar nomination for Salma Hayek. And this was released October 25th, 2002. Yeah. Go. I... Let's get into it. Yes. You know, we watched this, like, a few weeks ago, and I'm really glad I took notes, because I went, probably went, so much happens in this movie, like, yeah, so much happens. It's jam-packed, and <sighs> yeah, well, I wanted to hear more about, you were saying that um, it just didn't hit you as strong it, as other films No, have. I had, Tell us I had some, I had great hopes going in, because I mm-hmm. really, I really love Selma Hayek, and- um, yeah. Before I before I even watched the film, like preparing to watch it, I watched some interviews with her. Um, there's a SAG interview she did that's really great, um, where she talked about how this is her passion project, and it took her like ten years to get it to get it made, mm. and hours upon hours upon well years, right, of research, right. and you know she had to secure the rights to the painting, she had to secure location rights, she cast the film. Um, you know, she talks, she talks about in the interview how there's no casting agent or, or casting agency credited in the film for the American casting because she did all the casting. It was very sad because not only nobody realized I produced it and I really did not like, oh, my name was in it. No, no. If you see, there is no credit for a casting director in the American cast because I recruited every single actor, every single part. I got the money for it. I got the permits in Mexico. I got the permits for the paintings that nobody else. I, I, you know, I nurtured that script for eight years meticulously, you know. I got the director. I mean, and no, most people don't even know I produced it. And well, the film had a lot of producers, so they see your name and they think, oh, because a vanity it was credit so long. for right. Exactly. Wow. Like, so she really, when it says she's a producer, she really was a producer on the film. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just like a vanity credit. And, and I just loved hearing her talk about how, you know, how much this project meant to her. And, and in, in that SAG interview, she talks about how she didn't want it to be, you know, just another biopic, you know, with the tropes that, <laughs> you know, when you think of like a... You know, the, you know, a biopic of a musician or whatever. She kind of wanted to avoid biopic tropes. But then, you know, when I watched it, I found myself kind of disappointed because I feel like... And, you know, maybe that comes with having, like, at least four screenwriters. <laughs> but, like... Different visions coming together. And, of together course, you know... Chaotically. He who shall not be named who was involved, right? Like... Yeah, there may have been, like, too many cooks in the kitchen because I just felt like the film tried to accomplish way too much... Like, it just felt like when you're, you know, you're, you're writing, you're writing a thesis, right? Or you're, you're writing a dissertation 
and your advisor is like, no, 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 you need to narrow it down. You need to narrow the scope of this down. There's too much. You're, you're, and you end up with a lake that's a mile wide and an inch deep. Like it was just, right. it felt like greatest hits of Frida Kahlo's life. And I really, I found myself at certain points in the film being like this, like we should just be focused on this right now. Just, ah, just mm-hmm. this, like, okay. So for instance, Kristen, I mean, the movie begins with yeah, so for instance, the movie begins with her being carried to this exhibition, right? This this great exhibition. Oh, and yeah. she was in mm-hmm. a bed, right? Yeah, she was yeah. in a bed, and she was going mm-hmm. to this first and presumably last exhibition of her work in Mexico mm-hmm. City. The movie could have just been about that day, right? Or, oh, interesting. Or it could have just been about... It could have been about her time, you know, I, I would never, you know, make this choice, but if... If you're trying to narrow the scope, they could have made it about, you know, the period of time where she and Diego were living with Trotsky and his wife. You could have made a movie about that. You could have made made a movie about her relationship with her sister. You could have made a movie about <clears throat> her relationship with Lupe, right? Um, mm-hmm. Diego's ex-wife. And I would, that's the kind of one-act play I would be super into. Um, oh, that would be, I want to see that. I love, Señoras Rivera. I love, <laughs> I love the scenes of them together. And we can talk about yeah. that. But like... Yeah, they they just tried to do way too much, and they didn't do justice. I feel to mm. Frida, and I feel like it was way too much about Diego. Oh, I mean, we learn we're given a glimpse into his process and his artwork way more than than we are given any insight into into Frida's process mm. and her artwork. So, I mean, I I feel like this movie really should have been called Frida and Diego. Mm-hmm. instead of Frida. I feel like a f- movie called Frida should have been way more about Frida. So I right. found myself kind of disappointed by that. Not to say that I hated it. Like, I didn't I didn't hate it. I, I, you know, there were parts of it that I really liked. And we can talk about that. But yeah, that was kind of my takeaway. What about you, Kristen? Ah, I like that. I like your thoughts. Yeah, I, something you mentioned when we were watching the film together is how you're kind of lost in time and space. Very much so. You're not so. exactly sure what city or place you're in, yeah. or what era in Frida's life it is, yeah. how old she is. Yes. Um, so you are a little bit disoriented going through the film. Very much so. Uh, so something I jotted in my notes um, was artistic liberty. I think <laughs> this film is very much a creative take on Frida's life. Mm-hmm. Not so much... Uh, like explaining to an audience who she is. Well, it's it's Julie Taymor, so like <laughs> yeah, definitely about impressions, moments, images, emotions in her life more than it is about a timeline. And I think I don't know. I feel like maybe Salma and the cast were expressing a love for her and trying to like uh that give the essence of frida mm-hmm. and and how those passions and emotions and things that drove her life influenced her art so i feel it was definitely more of an impressionistic film mm-hmm. and uh, you mentioned something else too emily while we watched it is how you know there are some small scenes throughout the film that are extremely artistic yeah. such as yeah seeing the day of the dead skulls in the hospital yeah um after frida's accident or 
or having <laughs> Diego be like King Kong. Um, in the there's there's weird stop motion too. It's just like yeah. these weird Julie Taymor things, Disjointed. and it's very jarring. And I'm like, okay, either you know, sprinkle this throughout, or just don't have it because I was mm. like, this is uh very odd. <clears throat> I I I didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if it's in part because. My major is creative writing, and I've seen some <laughs> weird shit. Emily. <laughs> like you have well, no wait, idea. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? Shit. We're talking about Julie Taymor, so I think a movie of hers. So if we're just talking about Julie Taymor, that I think was more mm. successful would be, and I don't even really like it that much. Was Across the Universe, oh, which yeah, was more cons- way more consistent with just how weird it was, right? <laughs> and yeah, how off the wall, yep. and more consistent vision, and you could feel her hand in it. This one, it just felt slapdash. And I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Salma <sighs> said she didn't have much of a hand in the the editing room. Yeah. She said that after filming and everything, she was just so exhausted. Mm-hmm. That she just, she said she was in bed for a while, like just yeah. flat out. Recovering. Like everything. Yeah. yeah. So I do wonder if maybe <sighs> Salma's vision could have been carried through a little maybe. bit more. And- streamlined but she talked about how i mean this was her passion project right and it took her like 10 yeah. took her like 10 years um to get this yeah film made. let's let's expand that a little bit emily because yeah let's talk about the 90s and the 90s <laughs> latin actors and stories and film uh salma said from her experience just people were telling her like you you know with your accent like you're not going to make it as a star in the states yeah like you you're becoming a star in mexico with your soap opera oh my god wait wait pause we have to talk about teresa <laughs> okay emily you have to because it it blessed my life and may it bless okay. your lives as well oh god um we saw maybe the greatest thing we've ever seen. So, I i mean, I saw it a while ago because I was listening to another podcast. Um, I think it was The Mixed Review. So, shout out. They did all of Selma. Ha- they they do, um, they'll do an, an actor or an actress or a director. Uh, and they'll, they'll go through the entire filmography, body of work. And they did Selma. And I learned about this this um, soap opera, this telenovela that um, <laughs> Selma did in, like, 1989. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And it was called um, Teresa. And just YouTube, just type in, you know, Selma Hayek. Do yourself a Teresa, favor. Because it is the most <laughs> fabulous fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it's her, and it's dramatic, of course, and she's just, like, looking <laughs> in various mirrors and, like, turning to camera, and then there are diamonds falling all over her, and then the diamonds turn to, to rain. Uh-huh. And she inexplicably has this miniature doll version of herself that she (laughs) (laughs) oh my god there's a fan blowing your hair back of course like way before every shot way before beautiful i mean way before beyonce she yes yeah and i mean and she's snatched and the hair is just Glorious. glorious and the mug Cheeks. the mug is beat as the Trixie Kato <laughs> would say and she's she's perfection yeah she was a, <sighs> a star I, huge I, star I, in Mexico I need to find some of these episodes and huge, watch them. huge star in Mexico but um yeah so like you said you know I think that quote that you you just mentioned where she talked about how you know different producers or whatever directors told her no 
basically told her to stay in her lane, like stay in right. Me- stay in Mexico. And I think she even said, like, I don't think they meant it. They didn't. They meant it kindly, but they told her, you know, stay in your lane. You're mm-hmm. tr- you are a huge success right now in Mexico. You're making a ton of money. You're a huge name, huge star. Like, don't throw that away, you know, by trying to make it right. in Hollywood. When you first started to work, that people told you, number one, your accent would be a problem. Yes. Uh, they, they said, it was very interesting because they said, there are no parts for Latinas here. What do you want to play, the maid? Mm-hmm. You, you're a star, you're a star in Mexico. Why don't you go back to Mexico? And they were not trying to be mean or anything. They were mm-hmm. trying to give me good advice. They're, you'll never get a leading role for a Latina. And this is what truly inspired me. And didn't you tell them that Arnold had an accent? Oh, yeah. I yeah. Said, yeah, and, uh, you know, I said, you know... And look so you what it's done for him. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger has an accent. And look at him. He's doing all right. Yeah. And that was, I think, from that Oprah interview I sent to you. Um, I think it was, or where she's talking to Oprah about that. And and she... One way she would often respond to these people was saying, well, you know, look at Schwarzenegger, right? Did his, did his accent stop him from, yes. from being successful in the States? So I feel like... There's, like, racism there and sort of misogyny as well because they told her, there's no way, who would you play? And they even said, this is very offensive, but they said, what, are you going to play the maid, right? So it's, like, racist and sexist, like, yeah. So she 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 had an uphill, uphill uh, battle making it in the States, right? And another interview that you sent to me, Mm -hmm. she talks about how she's a rebel by nature and... Yeah. That when people tell her these things, it's exactly what she needs to get the strength to overcome it mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. prove everyone wrong. Yeah. And, oh, I could feel the fire in her as she was saying it. Yeah. Like, I was just so impressed. Yeah. By her tenacity, her dedication yeah. to her art, uh-huh. and, and just believing in herself. Mm-hmm. Like, what an impressive, trailblazing woman. She is. And she's she's so beautiful, too. She's just stunning. so stunning. And in that interview, yeah, I was just, just kind of bowled over by just, I mean, obviously she's beautiful, but by how, how thoughtful and how articulate and how intelligent she is. And I, I mean, just doing the research for this movie made, I was already a fan, but this, I really admire her now. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm way more invested in her and her process <laughs> than I am in the actual outcome, you know, the film itself. I still think it's an important film because this is, you know, this came out 20 years ago now, 2002. And, you know, how many major motion pictures at that time did we have about Latina figures, right? right. About Frida Kahlo. Like Hollywood, you know, big, huge studio movies that were nominated for Oscars. I mean, this this film... So I looked it up, Kristen. So she did get nominated for an Academy Award for this. But at that point, and still, um, only four... Latina women have been nominated for Best Actress. Oh, wow. So the first was in 1998, so already that's pretty late, right? Um, mm-hmm. Fernanda Montenegro in 1998. 2002, Salma Hayek. 2004, Catalina Sandino Moreno and Maria Full of Grace. That's a that's a great movie. Oh, I don't know if yeah, you've seen yeah. that one. And then in 2018, Yalitza Aparicio for Roma. Mm. <clears throat> and of course, uh, that's Best Actress because in Best Supporting actress, there are more um, more actresses there. And we just had Ariana DeBose win, right? For yes! West Side Story. That was so awesome. Um, 60 years after Rita Moreno won for the same role. 
I know. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about mm-hmm. the Spielberg West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily and I went to see it together. We did. In theaters. It was so fun. Yeah. We loved so it. So wonderful. We loved it. I loved her. She was oh, so good. So good. Yeah. And it made me think, you know, something you pointed out to me was how there was a lot of Spanish spoken that wasn't given subtitles. Yeah, that was a, mm-hmm. that was a choice Spielberg, a, a choice. Spielberg made, yeah. And just think about how if there weren't films, weren't predecessors like Frida, mm-hmm. who knows where film would be today in like giving for, that kind of room. For, for mainstream, the, like for mainstream yes, American yes. cinema. And um, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, we're a very narrow scope here. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about Frida. And obviously there are many other films and, uh, you know, people in the arts who um, I have really, Correct. you know, help bring Latin yeah. stories into the yeah, mainstream. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I just think, I'm just grateful to Frida for, mm-hmm. for, yeah. and for, to Selma for not giving up. One of the articles you sent me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was talking mm-hmm. about how there were a lot of Frida movie ideas bouncing around, mm-hmm. and they were all going to be cast by non-Latina women. Yeah, yikes. Like, they wanted to whitewash oh. and tell the story. Ugh. I was, yeah, Ugh. I felt icky inside, and thank goodness. We have an actual Mexican <laughs> woman. never happened. An yeah. actual Mexican woman playing her. <laughs> Representation is important. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up, because in the SAG interview, I think that, I don't know when the interview took place, it was probably like five or six years ago, but the the interviewer did bring this up, and she did bring up, you know, the fact that this movie is directed by a white woman, right, um, mm-hmm. and it's in English, and, and the interviewer right. kind of asked her, you know, well, why, <laughs> right? Like, why... <laughs> You know, uh, put it bluntly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not a, a Latino director, a, a Latina director, and why you know why in English? I had a very specific view of the film I wanted to make. It was not like oh, I'm going to make a, a film about Frida Kahlo. There were a lot of very, very, very. I really did have a vision, and there were, there had been a movie about Frida Kahlo. Uh, brilliantly acted by Ofelia Medina many years ago in Mexico mm-hmm. with a Mexican director in Spanish. This film already maybe should have been, you could say, you know, a Latino director and in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that for me, the first language of the film, the most important language in the film is the visual language. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not whether English or Spanish, because that was her language. This is the language she used to express her, to express herself best. And and Selma said that you know she she looked you know she again really produced this film you know found she chose the director she ended up going with Julie Taymor and uh, Selma was saying that you know what mattered to her was visual storytelling meant more to her than anything else the visual language of the film whether or not it was in english or or spanish didn't really mean as much to her i think that was definitely a part of it for sure but i'm guessing because of he who shall not be named um his last name starts with a w it rhymes with berenstein (laughs) um (laughs) i'm i'm assuming they wanted this to be a big oscar contender and so unfortunately (laughs) You know, because of the industry, you're going to have greater odds of, of success 
in that realm if your film is in English, right? It's going to reach a, a wider audience. It's going to make more money. So I'm sure that was a part of it as well. Mm, um, good point. But I did feel, though, I did feel that, Kristen, when we were watching when, you know, early on, we have baby uh, Diego Luna. He looks I so know, young. I freaked out. He's so I freaked out. He's so young. Um, itty bitty. Because I think, yeah, I don't know how old he was. Was he like even twenty years old yet? I don't. Know. Um, but I mean, Selma. It's I, I'm okay. We're 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 jumping. We're jumping tracks. But Selma was like thirty five, I think, and you can tell she's thirty five. But she starts. Oh, yeah. I mean, she starts the film and she's supposed to be fifteen, but it really looks like. I mean, she's beautiful. <laughs> of course, she's beautiful. But you can tell it's a grown woman. But her um, boyfriend in the beginning is is uh, Diego Luna, and there's this. There's, they have a, a couple scenes together, but I just remember feeling like here are two Mexican actors. I just want to hear them speak Spanish. Like mm, I really craved that. That missing. I did, and yeah. I, that's something that I really enjoy when I'm watching a foreign film. You know, we we just did Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and um, I think the you know language is so important. Um, and conveying the emotion of the story, and it just it makes it a more immersive experience, right? Right. And same thing with like Almodovar's films with with Penelope Cruz. Like, I really enjoy that, and so I really was yearning for that here, and, and especially because again, how many times are we going to get two you know, Mexican actors on a film um, on such a grand scale together? And I'm like, oh, I wish right. they could have just spoken Spanish. <laughs> that would have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Do you think if that film was made today? I think so. I I think a lot of things would be different. I mean, mean, she did. So Selma mentioned that she cast the film, but I think there are some casting decisions that wouldn't have been made today. (laughs) Tell me more. Yeah. So, I mean, I really like Alfred Molina as an actor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he would have been cast today in that role. He's not Latino. He, his father is Is um, Italian. I think he's mixed. Yeah. I think his father was, um, Spanish, so European, right? He's he's oh, not he's okay. not he's not Latino, meaning he doesn't trace his roots to you know South America, right? South or Central right. America or Mexico. So I'm not sure that that decision would have been made today. Mm-hmm. And the same with like it's so random that Ashley Judd is playing an Italian woman <laughs> in this. <laughs> I know. Um, but handpicked by Selma. Um, she, yeah, she called her up. One of the things that gave me the most uh, inspiration was Ashley John. Because I called her first, and I was so embarrassed. I detest to ask for anything. I detest. You see, I pay my own bills. Um, And I had to to be humble and ask her the favor. And she was shooting, and I called her, and I said, Ashley, do you have a minute? Actually, not. I'm like shooting something, they're going to call me any second. But what do you need? I said, oh, I want to ask you for a favor. Okay, ask me. And I'm like, remember my movie about the Mexican pe- Yeah, yeah, Frida Kahlo. How can I forget? You don't stop talking about it for years. And I said, you know, I wanted to ask you. Oh, they're calling me now. Salma. The answer is yes. I said, but I didn't get to ask you. I don't care. Whatever you need, just tell me where to show up and when she did she she, like, she called in a favor <laughs> and then and then we made a joke and i was like you know who would have played that today wait who I, we yeah. joked about it <laughs> lady gaga I don't remember. lady gaga oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the most italian of all italian women 
Um, well, I'm an New York Italian. I'm just a, a Italian girl from New York. That I'm an Italian girl from New York. It's just an Italian girl from New York. The a young Italian American girl from New York. Is that I'm Italian and from New York? Good, good Brooklyn Italian girl. Yeah, that's right. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm Italian. As a strong Italian female. I'm a. Uh, a strong Italian woman. Yes, well, I'm an Italian woman. So, you know, I'm Italian and, you know. I'm from an Italian family. Uh, immigrant Italian family. Strong Italian family. Close Italian family. I'm from a good Italian family. Very traditional Italian. Mm -hmm. I'm Italian. Well, I'm Italian. I'm Italian, so. I'm just an Italian girl. I'm an Italian girl. I'm Italian. Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay, can you please do the house to do it? Father, son, house of Gucci. Yes. Yeah. And she stayed in character, apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was very method. Father, son, and house of Gucci. I forgot about that. Oh. Emily, I'm so glad you said that. So she would have played Tina Madotti today. But yep. beautiful, um, the beautiful Valeria Galino, who plays the Countess in Portrait, is Lupe in this. I'm like, there's an Italian woman right there. Like, <laughs> for reals. Like, I loved her in this. She's so, she's so pretty. She's, she's so pretty. She's so beautiful. I mean, the, the, it's a movie full, filled with, full of beautiful women, which I'm always going to appreciate. But And correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Emily, but yeah. that scene where Salma's dancing with Ashley Judd, mm -hmm. isn't that our first notion that Frida was bisexual? Is, is queer. Um, yeah. In the film? Hmm. I think it's probably maybe subtext up until then. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's we... It's overt. We dance. It's very overt. Um, but before then, I think we see her... We see, you know, Diego painting nude women. And he's a womanizer, right, of course. But I think mm -hmm. she expresses admiration for some of the models. I mean, okay, favorite line is when she says something like, Too bad. She had such a great ass. Too bad she had a great ass, and I'll just put it in oh. here. But, um, but I mean, for sure, when you see, I, okay, yeah, that's probably the best scene, and I think many people would say that's their favorite scene is the tango scene. I don't even know if that's a tango, but I think people just call it the tango scene. Mm. But where she, so Ashley Judd is playing this, this radical figure, Tina Madotti, who was um, a photographer, and. She's there. Antonio Banderas is there as, as a revolutionary. Yes! I, I, he, yeah. he did a cameo. That was, was another favor she called in, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then Diego is there. And they're in an argument. And then finally, to to um, break up the argument, Ashley Judd, Ashley Judd's character is like, okay. Basta. Whoever takes the biggest swig can dance with me. And so it's the two men, right? They both right. do shots or something. And they... They don't really drink that much, I don't think. But you see Ashley Judd bending over, like, the table, and you see Salma... I'm just calling them by their actual names, but <laughs> you see her admiring... It's on brand. <laughs> you see her admiring Tina's beautiful, sexy back. And then uh, and you're like, okay, well, we can see that Salma is very much attracted to Tina. And then, to everyone's surprise, after Antonio Banderas and, and Alfred Molina have their little drinking contest Selma steps in and is like all right you didn't say I could participate and she yes. like she chugs that bottle I mean mm -hmm. she she drinks them under the table <laughs> yeah <laughs> to 
put it mildly, yeah. This is where the yeah. hard-drinking woman from the yeah. summary comes into play. <laughs> she could put it away on, uh, she can hold her on own. like any, and she's a tiny little Selma Hayek too, and uh, mm-hmm. wins that the contest hands down, and then takes you know takes Tina by the hand, and takes her and sweeps her off her feet. It's very sexy. Yes, it's, it's it's very very, I'd say provocative, sensual, sexy, erotic scene. very controversial at the time which is hilarious to me that just this this scene of two women dancing was so controversial and like the fact that they kissed was like oh my god like two women kissing (laughs) um but that's so weird to think like i mean (laughs) yeah not only because i mean this was only 20 years ago Mm -hmm. thinking Mm -hmm. about that being kind of taboo or shocking Uh uh-huh but also think about you know Frida doing this in the early. I know, century. and she boldly, and boldly and unapologetically just yes. lo- loved women. Loved women. Had That's many- another mm-hmm. gift this film gives us. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I think you told me this that Salma wanted to make sure that Frida came across not as a victim, yeah. but just as this mm-hmm. woman crackling with power and love for life. Yeah, yeah, and you can feel it. Especially in this scene, I like know. she's powerful and witty. She's and so strong, and I noticed she's defying expectations. She's very tiny too. So Salma in real life, I think she's like five two or something. And Ashley Judd, mm. taller woman, right? Mm-hmm. But man, does uh, Frida in that scene? She is. She's definitely the top. I'd say she's yeah. To use a term that I really don't like, she has the big dick energy. But <laughs> BDE. <laughs> you, she doesn't need a dick, though. Like, no one does in order to have the kind of confidence. So I don't like that. For that reason, I really don't care for the term, but that's what I think. Big Frida say. energy. Yeah, big Frida. She has a BFE, <laughs> big Frida energy. Um, love her in that scene. But yeah, and, and then we, you know, we see her definitely having affairs with women throughout the film. Right. Did you know before this film that Frida was. I think I, yeah, I did. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's been kind of Mm -hmm. uh, washed out of her image. Yeah, Emily, should we talk about Frida's image now in pop culture? Or do you want to save it for like a pop culture segment? Um, I don't know. I mean, we haven't, yeah, we haven't really covered too many elements of the film yet. (laughs) So. That's okay. uh, Yeah. this film covers like her entire life. So I think that yeah. was the like a fundamental error where they just tried to cover way too much. There are things, you know, there are parts that I did like about it. Of course, I really I admire Selma so much in, in her performance. I just it's beautifully shot. It's yeah, there are some moments that really were just made me gasp like uh paintings coming alive. There are a couple oh, instances and I'm like I, I was like if it were more just this, I think I would have been into it. Like, I'm, I'm all for style over substance, but if it were just, yeah. like, it just try it just, it was too sporadic for mm-hmm. 
Maybe I'll ask a couple questions. Um, mm-hmm. So, what did you think of Diego's opening scene? Oh, where they're just having sex in the closet, or what? Oh, on, on, like when? Oh, when Diego. The, oh, sorry. The school. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you meant Diego Luna. Oh, Diego Luna? Oh, no, no, no. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina as Diego Rivera. Oh, yes. Oh, when she runs in and... I was like... (laughs) Like, what? No, they didn't. And I'm so grateful we didn't have to watch her have sex with Alfred Molina. I did not want to see that. (laughs) You didn't? I think Alfred Molina's pretty handsome. I was like, no, I don't need to see this. In a weird way. I... We did... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Tell, tell the listeners what you said oh, about God. Jeffrey Rush as Trotsky oh, oh, hooking up with. I did not need <laughs> to see that. I said, <laughs> I said, I have neither the need nor the desire to see Jeffrey Rush on top of Selma Hayek. <laughs> <laughs> I just really I died when you said that. I. It's just because I think Jeffrey Rush is handsome too, but there's something about his Trotsky makeup, and he's so and... old. He's so old. And at the time, Trotsky was much older than her, too. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, I don't want to see this. I really don't. It was, oh, it killed me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. But back to Diego. Yeah. I know. I feel like they wanted to anchor the movie in that moment. Because I think according to lore, um, like, even if you just check on Wiki, it says that's how they met. Hmm. But I feel like we didn't need that. I really don't. I feel like it could have been, you know, very much like in a stage play where you reference things that happened. Like, oh, you know, that uh, I saw you when you were 15 and you called me, what What, what was her nickname for him? Panzon or something? Oh. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, Panzon. Like, we didn't need to have all of that. I really don't think we needed to see, like, her at 15, you know, like, again, like 35-year-old Selma playing 15-year-old Frida. I... Oh, she basically called him a fatty. Yeah, well, and he, and, and he was, like, he was. a large man. I think Alfred put on a lot of weight for the film. Mm-hmm. But what did you think I, of, what, sorry, um, I was going yeah. to say, what did you think of Selma, how she was styled in the film? <gasps> oh, my gosh. I think one of the Academy Awards they got was for hair and makeup, right? Was it? I don't know. Yeah. Is that what you were asking about, about that kind of styling? Yeah, like how she looked. How do you think, do you think she looked like Frida? Do you think, what do you think? Oh yeah, best best makeup and hairstyling. Mm -hmm. The winner, winner for best original score. I mean, it was nominated for best actress, of course. Mm -hmm. Best production design and best costume design. Great. I thought the production design was incredible. Mm -hmm. And I thought the makeup, hairstyling, costuming... It was a real triumph in showcasing Frida's Mexican culture. I don't know how much they had to fight to get (laughs) cultural elements into the film, but that was a key part, wasn't it? And I think people, I think, again, he who shall not be named, I think wanted her to be as sexy as possible. So she probably had to fight for that unibrow, like, Mm. but... I mean, if you just look at her face, she really doesn't look like Frida. I don't think at all. Selma. Uh, but I think they both have, like, mm-hmm. similar bone structure, but it was really just the magic of Selma. Like, she really embodied her. Becoming Frida. I think she You're did. You're right. Yep. I feel like they would only go so far. Like, they're like, okay, fine, you can have the unibrow, but no mustache. Because we, we know Frida had a mustache, and I think they're just like, no, we can't. And I don't know. You know, I don't know. 
But she right. was she was very beautiful, and she looked so good, like surprisingly great in drag. Like I would. Oh, would she cut her hair? Well, and and, and she suit? dressed she dressed in drag a few times as mm. as Frida did. Again, this woman living in you know early twentieth century, dressing in drag, right, and Incredible. and and having sex with women. It's just like what. <laughs> I mean, what what a rebel! <laughs> Seriously, like how many social norms she had to go against, and being to a be woman, her true authentic self, and being a, an artist, like yeah. But she she looked fabulous in drag. I thought she Do was. You feel like yeah. the artistic community was more accepting. I mean, you think this lifestyle? You think? Oh yeah, like a bohemian lifestyle for sure. Yeah, like even if you're just thinking of like Virginia Woolf and like the Bloomsbury Group. I mean, there was mm-hmm. just like a niche, you know, like artistic circles where. You know, homosexuality wasn't really right as taboo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she looks so good in drag. I like, Selma is a very curvy woman, so I would never be like, yeah, you know who would look great in drag? <laughs> Selma Hayek. But she looks, she looks very good. It was. Ve- I-, I was so interested by that because that's yeah. another aspect I didn't know mm-hmm. about Frida. I think from a young, I think from a young age, she did. Yeah. Mm. She had a strong sense of who she was, and she had no, right. you know, fear or shame. And I think that says just something about who she was, and also her family. You know that they, yeah, supported her and didn't try to suppress suppress who she was, right? Right. Um, I mean, yeah. How many books have been written about Frida? Like, we can't, we can only scratch the surface, and like, right. You know, maybe that maybe now's the time, Kristen, to bring up this is the article I sent you about sort of like the kitschification or the the commodification of Frida Kahlo she's just kind of become this icon right yeah tell us a little bit more about that <laughs> yeah so I found this article I think it was in the Guardian where it talks about how you know Frida she's been commodified she's she, she's on you know her face is on everything it's 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 sold on all manner of things you know lunch boxes you know whatever calendars right. uh, keychain yeah yeah you'll, you'll see her like socks yeah <laughs> What are those? What are those like bobbleheads? You know, mm-hmm. she's 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 iconic in the in a, in a very literal sense. She's an icon, kind of. I'd say I'd say comparable to Marilyn Monroe. Absolutely. I mean, she's instantly recognizable, and when you hear, you know, you see her, and you just you know that's Frida Kahlo, and so that article just talked about how, yeah, she's been she's been commodified. She's kind of um, been turned into this almost kitschy figure, which is not really fair to her <laughs> to to reduce her to that. She's become iconic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I think when Andy Warhol made that Marilyn diptych, was it? He, he he did a diptych, and he might have, and then he did, like, one where it was just her, it was, like, hundreds of Marilyns. Right. So Andy Warhol, in 1962, he did the Marilyn diptych, and it was soon after she had died. And I guess one of the, I, I guess, the common reading of that piece that he did is that he was making a comment on just how, if you reproduce an image over and over again, even if it's a person it loses its me- meaning. meaning and loses yeah. its humanity. And that's kind of what happened to Marilyn, unfortunately. Right. Right. And I was listening to a, a podcast called for the girls and I, I don't think they're making it anymore, but it's, um, so the two hosts, Nick and Jason, they had Lipsinka on the great drag artist um, <gasps> talking about Joan Crawford. And they talked about how, you know, icons don't have souls. Cool. People have oh. souls. People have souls. So, like, oh. when you take someone, a real person like Marilyn, like Frida, like Elvis, and you turn the, and, you know, they've, they've become these immortal icons. You forget, forget about their humanity. You, you forget right. that they were real people. 
that's not a hot take by any means, but it's it is it doesn't make it any less profound or any less true. No, absolutely, and yeah, I think it's like she Frida had a brand back then, like as we use that word now, mm-hmm. but that's not how it was used back. Oh, then. Oh no, I mean she was a, she was a brand. She was from the. Um, I guess you'd call it naive school or the naive genre oh, yeah. where, you know, she was t- self-taught. entirely self-taught and her work was very um, striking and very original and very bold. So she belonged to this school of artists yeah, from, from the naive school or the naive movement of art and also this, you know, surrealist movement and, and I, think, I think magic realism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, her, her style is instantly recognizable. It's very striking, very colorful, very bold and immediate. She was a pioneer. She really, really was. She really was. And so that's important to remember. And I don't think you should feel bad if you have a Frida keychain. You know? No. <laughs> like it's a, yeah. I think it's a, just part of pop culture. It's mm-hmm. how we consume icons. And What do you think? She, I wonder what she would feel about it. I wonder. I know. I've been wondering that, Emily. And I think she would laugh. I think she yeah. would like this cosmic joke. Yeah. Because, you, think, you think? Yeah. I mean, she created these very intimate portraits of herself throughout mm-hmm. her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's arguably, I mean, a woman's experience cataloged. Mm-hmm. That's something that we don't see very often in art at least in the 20th century um and so to have her be on someone's socks in <laughs> north america or you know like it's just kind of Ast- mind-blowing ast- ast- <laughs> astounding astounding yeah the jump from you know the importance of what she's doing to like the quick reproduction of yeah. her image like mm-hmm. it's just very interesting and i I think it's wonderful if you want to do that. Um, there's no, I don't think you should feel guilt in indulging in the iconography. <laughs> um, that's part of how her name gets around too. I'm, I'm sure lots I'm thinking, of people who don't know her, yeah, have, they know the eyebrow. <laughs> yes, they do. I think one of the reasons she became you know, the icon she did now is the feminist movement for sure. Ah, uh, yeah. I was just gonna yeah. ask you, like, why did why has she had a resurgence in popularity in the uh, last ten years? Yeah, because I'm thinking feminist movement, like in the '60s, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm th- I'm thinking of like second wave feminism, you know, Gloria Steinem, that kind of that movement, their sexual liberation. I'm thinking, I think feminists really resonated with Frida and her unabashed sexuality the the freedom with with which she lived her life um, her self-expression the freedom of her self-expression how she depicted herself as she was right not this idealized image and how she really she was this woman in a man's world right and Mm -hmm. she was often condescended to but she was just very unapologetic about who she was and she made the art that she wanted to make like parallel that to Selma Mm -hmm. you know doing her art against all odds like so many years later, but with so many similarities. Uh, Emily, I researched something. Yes. I'm very excited to okay. tell you about. Okay. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> I, had to, I had to pull up my source. So there's a scene, a famous scene in Frida, mm-hmm. where I, I believe she's in a bar and yes, she is. death comes to sing. It's a very artistic moment. It's a woman... Who she's wearing like a black shroud and a mask. Mm-hmm. Wait, she has a mask on? Oh, she took it off. I was like, I know yeah, we saw her face. We saw their face, yeah. And it's a woman named Chavela 
Vargas. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm not saying that very well. She's a legendary singer. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away, let's see, in 2012. Mm-hmm. But she was a contemporary of Frida. Oh my god, really? Yes. Did they know each yes. other? What? Were they lovers? They were allegedly lovers! Oh my god! <laughs> That's crazy! That, seriously, that was like the That's best amazing. Egg of the whole movie for me. Oh, like, they had I someone who that. actually knew Frida and who probably was, was her, one of her, her lover. lovers. You know, who else was one yes. of, you know who else was one of her alleged lovers? It, sh- it probably shouldn't surprise you. Think feminist artist. Think feminist artist? Most famous of like uh, American artists of the 20th century uh, for her suggestive paintings. Oh, 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 oh Georgia O'Keeffe. Yes, yes, <gasps> yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, they are rumored. Okay, I love that. <laughs> where I think Georgia um, wrote a diary entry about, or no, no, I think Frida wrote a diary entry about one of their um, <laughs> trysts, I guess you could say. Wow. But, but yeah, yeah. I think that's where we've been getting a lot of information from letters and diaries that have been I mean, there's your that. damn movie. There's your... <laughs> Make that movie. Like, Let's, I've, I've watched that movie. Uh, but, yeah, yeah just... Um, I encourage our listeners, give Chavela a Google. Mm-hmm. Um, she she was super cool. Um, mm-hmm. She was very similar to Frida in just the way that she broke barriers. Mm-hmm. She um, This article I found from NPR, it describes her as a hard-partying, rabble-rousing, fiery <laughs> singer who adopted Mexico as her homeland and began singing on the streets in her early teens. Oh, wait, where's she from? Uh, she's from Costa Rica. Oh, okay. And uh, she bent gender roles. Cool. Uh, I love this, Kristen. Yeah. She, so Ranchero mm-hmm. is a a certain style of music. It was male dominant yeah. for many years. And she mm-hmm. just like took it in her own hands. She mm-hmm. stripped all like the trumpets out of it. The mm-hmm. article says, and it was just like her and her guitar. And so good. Uh, yeah, she was super amazing. That's so awesome. There is a documentary. Um, it released in 2017 called Chavela. And so I've requested that. Ooh, we and, should, I want to watch that with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So just, yeah, a little Easter egg. Salma did her homework. She did an incredible job paying tribute to Frida. Mm-hmm. No, I'm so glad you saved that, though. That's that's like... I was so excited to give the bombshell. I love it. On the recording. I'm so, ha- I'm so happy about that. I'm so Good. happy about that. Same. Well, is there any more you wanted to cover? Or do we want to do favorite scenes, um, quotes? Yeah. Why don't we... I think one thing we should comment on is, so, one thing I didn't, I wasn't aware of before I watched this film, um, well, I had learned about it before the film, but it was only very recently that I became aware of the fact that Frida was in this devastating accident as a young woman. Did you, were you aware of that? I was. Um, I, my minor is art history, so I think I, I learned about her in a class, so I don't know how common the knowledge is about I didn't. Accident, yeah, I but... really didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, devastating streetcar accident. Yeah. Um, broke her spine. Um, a rod was driven into went, her side. Went and through her. Through her vagina. That's, yep. that's what it said in the movie, but then on Wiki it said that didn't happen. So I'm like. Well, 
I don't know. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's like the, uh, what's the word? That's in the collective knowledge, so I don't know. Is that lore? Yeah. It could Um, be lore. But she was impaled, though. She was impaled by this. And she was in chronic pain and had, for the rest of her life. But Selma talked, you know, in that SAG interview. So she, (laughs) she, yeah. So Selma talked about how she really didn't want to portray Frida as a victim. And I think, so I think, I mean, she shows the accident happening, but you don't really see her struggling at all. Like, it's almost very bo- artistic. It's almost bookended. Like you see the accent, you see her recovering, and at the very end, you see her in excruciating pain. But, but it didn't. What? It didn't really like. For instance, in that scene where she's with Jeffrey Rush and they're climbing the pyramid, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And she's like refers to herself. She's like, well, if an old man can do it, then this cripple can do it. And I was like, but you're not. Like mm. the way, like the way she's been playing, the way she played Frida, like she was not a um crippled i'd say and especially in that scene where she's dancing with ashley judd i'm like you oh, you never full range you never range. you don't ever see her in chronic pain it's just like at the very beginning and then at the end you can see that she's in pain so that's one thing where i feel like that was missing but that might have been salma's choice the other thing is that i didn't want to make a, free, a movie about frida where she was like this victim look how much this woman suffer because i didn't believe that's all she was she was a survivor. Nobody loved, I don't know anybody that loved life more than Frida. Because even with all the pain, she would wake up in the morning and started with herself. What, is, what, what work of, of art am I going to make of myself today? Decorating her hair, whistling, doing the gardening, cooking, in pain. So that's not a victim. What do you think? I totally agree. Because um, I just don't know to what extent that impeded her life. I think she walked with a limp. Selma did Uh, yeah Um, so I just I'm looking at the plot synopsis on wiki Mm -hmm. and does this sound familiar? Kahlo had her toes removed and the doctor noticed they've become gangrenous gangrenous yeah she did her health worsens leading to the amputation of a leg Mm -hmm. and bronchopneumonia which leaves her bedridden Yeah. so I think that bedridden vision of her was periodic in her life and then it just became more permanent near the end of her life yeah and i don't think i had that separation in my mind before i just pictured her being very like still oh <laughs> uh, well just because of like the images I, yeah yeah i think and i think she well i don't know I, I think i think from the sag interview i think she did say she was in constant pain like chronic uh, and i think that might have been a reason behind the drinking so you don't really see that and oh. You don't really see that in the film. You don't see her really in pain. And that, I think, maybe was a conscious choice. But then it was just jarring when all of a sudden she referred to herself as a cripple. I was like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) until the very end. But yeah, that did strike me. That definitely would be done differently if it was made now. Like, for instance, have you seen La Vie en Rose with Marion Cotillard? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that film. A long time ago. I know some people hate that movie, and but, like, you know, I... I can recognize that it's not the best movie, but I think Marion Cotillard is just stunning, Fantastic. stunning in it. And yeah. that's a movie where you see her suffering. You yeah. see how much oh, pain yeah. Edith Piaf was in all the time. And, mm-hmm. and the aging is so much more convincing in that film as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a far more grounded and realistic portrayal of a woman who is struggling with chronic pain and illness, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like in the in Frida, I think we don't see her in age makeup until the end when she's being carried into the into the exhibit on the bed. And like That's right. It's really jarring to see in that last scene. It's like, wow, Diego Rivera in age makeup. Like the whole movie we haven't seen it. And then all of a sudden he's got like That's right. his hairline is receded and it's great. I'm like, oh, well, I guess like twenty seven years have passed. Like there again, there's there isn't a clear you're I was never aware, like, what year is it? You don't know how much time has passed between sequences. They just, it just felt like they felt like they had to include everything when they really didn't need to. Yeah, I, that was jarring for me, but it didn't bother me as much. Mm -hmm. I think I just, like, they really were like, like, we don't have the burden of explaining. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we just want to be artistic. Sure. Like, that's kind of what it came across to me. As and like, uh, it definitely isn't for beginners. Is that fair to say? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's I guess I guess you can get your toes wet. This but... isn't. I mean, this isn't like. And I don't want to sound like a snob. I, I don't mean it this way, but this isn't like lowest common denominator cinema, right? You... Like, oh, the, like, yeah. And I don't mean that as a snob. I just mean it. Do, it's not meant to appeal to a mass audience. Like that's so. I think that what I'm wondering is, yeah. you know, this Frida was probably very well known in Mexico and so now making an American film I feel like Salma and the cast and crew were kind of like we don't need to explain to Americans in our white audience like an icon of ours like this is not for you maybe that's Kind of, that's what I'm wondering. Is that going in the back of my mind? I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like they wanted the awards, though. I feel like they did want mm. to. Like, that's why it's one reason it's in English, I think, is they wanted American audiences oh, yeah, to see the film. That. I think that was a part of it. But, again, I feel like if we made this movie now, she could, Selma could play this now. She could. Oh, I would love, I would love, I would love, I would love to see <laughs> it. Because so I think Selma is something like, like 55. And I don't think. I don't think Frida even lived to be 50. Is that right? But I feel like Selma could definitely play her now. And I would just love to see more of a a grounded character piece where it's just her. <laughs> like, you know, did you ever see the, <laughs> let's see, probably 15 years ago or so, it's a Bob mm-hmm. Dylan biopic? Oh, with like Kate Blanchett in it? Yes! Yeah! <laughs> so something I loved about that is because they were telling a story about Bob at ver- at different ages yeah. and also different eras of his life that they cast a different actor. Oh, I would love a Frida of that. Was, uh, yes. Yes. Can you imagine? But let me just have a side note. Kate Blanchett was the best Bob. Yes. Of all the Bobs. She was love amazing. Kate. <laughs> yeah. we, we love Kate. <laughs> she was so good. Oh, God. Okay. Kimmy Schmidt reference. Do you remember when Titus is like... You're a worse actor than Kate Blanchett. What? She's great. Is she? Or is she just tall? <laughs> oh, I, haven't, I don't remember that. Oh, I want to oh. put the sound clip in here. But I, yeah, no, no, no. We stand. We stand, Kate. We what? stand, Kate. I was going to say, Titus. So <laughs> saucy. I know. I, uh, oh, so good. Frida was born in 1907 and she died in 1954. So she didn't even make it to 50 then. Oh, that's tragic. She didn't. So, and I think Salma is like, I want to say 55, but obviously in much better physical health than, than Frida ever was. So I, I think Salma could definitely play Frida now. Like, mm-hmm. I, w- I would love to see that in, in, in Spanish. And then like, okay, let's talk about this, Kristen. Like if you could do, if you, 
What's your premise for a movie about Frida? Okay. If you could make a movie with Selma now, what would what would the premise of your of the film be for you? Well, now I'm thinking about a, yeah, a different actor for every era. I think that would help with the visual transition. I would love that. Yeah, if I could get a bunch of incredible Latina actresses. Wouldn't that be a, amazing? Oh like an amazing gosh. showcase of talent and an opportunity yeah. to introduce Latina actors. Actors or actresses. I know we do, we talked about the term actress, but you know, right. Latina actors, you know, putting a spotlight on Latina mm-hmm. talent. Like how awesome would that be? Oh my god. Yeah, I would love that. I hope like if it was to take anything from Frida, I hope it would take all of the incredible costumery, the colors, production value. Her art though. Like I'm Ooh. so disappointed in the film. We don't really see her art we see like more diego which really upset me i'm like this movie mm. is called frida like we should be looking at her art and her and her creative process not his mm-hmm. i feel like she took a back seat in her own movie which upset me i feel like it went in and out like yeah i just feel like it it went in and out because obviously diego was such an important part of her life and having them two of them be prolific and well-respected artists i mean it's there's some competition like visual literally visual competition there um but i i definitely see what you're saying you're making a good point about how a lot of like we saw diego painting his murals in the background Mm -hmm. quite often you know so how often do we even see her working like maybe like once or twice i feel like yeah so i i think maybe in our imaginary film our t- our 2022 <laughs> film we would do a lot more of the process oh, but you could do like you said Kristen, where you have a different actress playing her but it would be each actress working on one of her iconic pieces of art Ooh, that'd be cool i would love that you have to get the rights again that'd be hard <laughs> frida you know who i think salma might she secured the rights originally, so she I don't did. know. I think the woman she secured them from has maybe passed away by now, so. Yeah, we'd have to see. That would be, I would love that so much. So is that, like, your idea? Like, Yeah. Oh, is I that, love, what about I, you? I love your idea. So I think I already told you a couple of ideas I had. I think just focus on a day in the life. Like, just focus on that day she went to her exhibit, right? Or... I love the scene with Frida and Lupe, where mm-hmm. I love that when it's Selma Hayek and Valeria Galino together, and these these two women that they know what it's like to be with Diego, right? Right. And Lupe is just so supportive and loving and kind and, and sympathetic. I just love their relationship. And we see her painting Lupe. I love that. I would watch. Oh, yeah. I would watch a one act of just her painting Lupe and them just talking to each other. I would love Like, that. I would love a movie about those two. Mm-hmm. There's a whole arc there, you know, starting out as mm-hmm. kind of like enemies. <laughs> oh, I would love that movie. I, 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 would, I would love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Just just about them. And you know, I love any kind of sapphic, <laughs> any kind of <laughs> sapphic storytelling. So yeah, if you just yeah. made it about her and, you know, maybe her relationship with Tina or or Georgia O'Keefe, you know, whoever, you know, right. just, you know, let's like, let's, let's. Let's explore that. And she was rumored to have had a relationship with Josephine Baker, which you see in the film, which I was like, oh, really? And then I looked, I know I ended up doing a little, did a little bit of research into it. And I don't think there's any like proof that they ever slept with each other, but they were, I think they were maybe in Paris at the same time. But yeah, I think I would make it, make it about, yeah, 
something I love it. You said like a one act play. Oh, I just can yeah. see that in the theater. How dynamic that would be. Uh, yeah, I would. I would love that. Just narrow the focus down and make really make it about her, about Frida. Favorite favorite moments. What are your favorite moments, Kristen? <gasps> oh man, you know what? I really think everything leading up to the trolley accident. Yeah, was so beautiful and so dynamic and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like we've got Salma, you know, with her her bob. <laughs> you know, she's running through the city with Diego Luna. They're young. They're trying to, you know, get to class on time. And they race to make this trolley. And like, if you know what's coming, you're like, oh, I wish yeah. you didn't yeah. race to get on that trolley. And it's a wooden structure. I don't uh-huh. know if that was how it was in real life, but I was just like, oh, geez. Oh. And then Salma or Frida, she see you got me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Frida notices the gold dust in that artist's you know, little this is Julie, This is Julie Taymor, 100%. Oh, it's so beautiful. It just spoke to my artistic soul. And, you know, where the kind painter kind of pours a little bit of the gold dust in Frida's hand, and she's just entranced by it. And then, you know, everything kind of in slow motion. It's like a romanticized version of the accident. You know, the dust is flying everywhere. It's kind of, it's, it's quite gorgeous. It's quite camp. It's quite, it's quite drag. It's like, let's let's make it, it's Julie Taymor. So, you know, she wanted to make her bus accident beautiful. And then, so she's lying there and there's all this gore and things, but there's also all this beautiful gold dust. Like Mm -hmm. I, so I think that's a moment left to interpretation. Mm hmm. But to me, it was like, yeah, this like ruined her physical life. But did it? Is is having that physical challenge, you know, recovery, it kind of made Frida into the artist that she is. And so it, it's like this mixed experience of mm-hmm. major trauma and also this gift of painting, you know, her life in mm-hmm. a way that maybe she wouldn't have before. So... For me, I think visually it was so stunning, but also the meaning that could come with it was uh, very impactful as well. I think they show her, and I again, I don't know if this is if this is based on reality, but they show her when she's recovering in that body cast, right? They show her with a mirror over herself, painting herself, sketching herself. So I'm like, was that the origin? Is that when she started doing all the self-portraits, was, was in recovery? And if so, then yeah, you could say that this was, um, this event really, it was pivotal. But yeah. What about you? Favorite moments? Uh, yeah, favorite moments. Or... I mean, that tango scene, right? Of course. Ah, uh, like, yes. It's it's gorgeous. It's sizzling. It's beautiful. And, the, the you know, the singing in it is, is remarkable. The music, everything about it. And, like, I remember, like, did you ever watch, or, I mean, it's not like they aren't anymore, but, like, CBS Sunday Morning? No. Like, I remember being a kid, and my mom would always put CBS Sunday Morning on, and they, you know, they do little segments, so they, I remember them doing one on, on Selma, and, like, ooh, how controversial this, this erotic scene with two women, and I must have been, what, 12 at the time, but I just remember being totally entranced by that, and being like, what is this, like, Mm. seeing these two women together, and just loving it, Wow, spoke to my little queer, (laughs) queer heart, captured my little queer fascination there, so yeah, I mean, that's, that scene is very, is beautiful, yeah, I just, I like, I enjoy that, I enjoy her scenes with Lupe, I mean, the part where she seduces Diego's girlfriend, (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's Saffron Burrows. Did you recognize her? No. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Okay, well, she was in Deep Blue Sea. Did you see that movie? <laughs> Is oh, that the shark movie? Yes! Like, yes! Oh, yeah. Oh, cool J. Yes, where he raps at the end. Yeah, okay. Oh, God. Um, how, did, how, did, how did we get to Deep Blue Sea? Thanks. But no, it's Saffron Burroughs. She seduces Diego's, one of Diego's many mistresses. She seduces her. And Saffron Burroughs is like... Well, I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but you were better than your husband. I just love that. I love that she was such a fucking, fucking boss. Just like better in bed than her. And that does not surprise me at all that that um that Frida would be better in bed for sure. Um, oh, such a burn, Emily. <laughs> yeah. For real. Uh, and I was like, yes, girl, you get it. You get it, queen. Yes. You get it. You go for <laughs> you go for what you want. Love so it. I love that. Oh, yeah. You you get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and there were some very visually striking, stunning sequences. I know you particularly liked the ending when it's just turned the bed and it goes up in flames, right? And I think... Oh, my gosh. I was so emotional <laughs> watching that. Was that the quote that you really liked? I hope the jo- the exit is joyful and I hope never to return. Is that it? That, in my best self, yes. That <laughs> yeah. would be it. But okay. <laughs> my, my petty self, my favorite line. Yeah. I didn't write it down exactly, but she basically is like super upset with Diego. And yeah. She says, there have been two big accidents in my life, Diego. The trolley and you. You are by far the worst. <laughs> oh, isn't that after she walks in on him having sex with her sister? Oh, was that it? Okay, I can't. Oh. I didn't write the context down, but I just yeah. that struck me where I was like, mm. oh. And then there's another one where she's yelling at him in the street after Trotsky leaves, and she's like, he's not thinking of his well-being; he's thinking of hers. What are you talking about? I'm talking about somebody willing to sacrifice a little of their own pleasure rather than go and hurting the woman who loves him. Yeah, he was willing to put his wife's happiness ahead of his own. Basically, like, hmm, have you ever done that? Have you ever, have you ever suspended your own pleasure for my right. sake ever in your life? And she just gives it to him. She's like, it hurts, doesn't it? And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you tell him. You tell him, girl. When has he ever given a shit about, like, hurting right. you with all of his affairs and, like, sleeping with her sister like i know the hell yeah what a terrible thing to do to someone you love and Uh, you know what i appreciate though is she doesn't blame her sister she doesn't i think she's hurt like as far as it's portrayed like yeah can't stand to be around her because it's like a double betrayal but they reconcile though at the end yes well it's so confusing Kristen. like somehow she's implicated in Trotsky's death and ends up in jail and it was just so confusing to me I was like this movie but anyway her sister comes to get her from the jail and they are just like they she embraces her she like um takes her sister into her lap and is like I should never have left him alone with you Mm -hmm. she doesn't she doesn't blame or resent her sister in this movie in that moment anyway like right which I'm like, thank you for not, you know, pitting these two sisters against each other. Yeah, like understanding the source is <laughs> Diego. And I think at that point in the movie, and I'm guessing this is based in real life, you know, her sister 
was in um, had escaped a very abusive marriage and mm-hmm. was probably feeling pretty desperate and maybe at rock bottom at that point. So to have Diego, you know, pay her attention, he may very well have taken advantage of that. So right, she doesn't People blame. Make mistakes. Like, yeah, we act on our feelings and impulses, and we review them later. And yeah. that's when we make our moral judgments sometimes. Like, that's just how life is. So it's... She didn't blame... Yeah, she didn't blame her sister. Yeah. Which I appreciated. I was like, that's refreshing. Yeah. God. Yeah, did you have a favorite... Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I just said... said favorite. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. And just, like, yeah. again, for the funny one, it would be... Too bad. She had such a great ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was pretty good. Yeah, a lot of personality. Yeah. Cool. Love her. And yeah, there's some very visually striking moments, but I mean, should we talk about Julie Tainmore for a bit? Should we talk about, like... I think we touched on her. Uh, um, we can. I mean, at least I, we'll have it. You can just cut it. If yeah, if we her. want to. So Julie Taymor, I mean, I I asked if you were familiar with sort of her rise and fall. So she's, she's a theater director as well as a film director, but her big hit was Lion King, right? Right, and then and then like one of her more high profile films was Across the Universe, and then like her most recent disaster was Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh god! And that's also referenced in Kimmy Schmidt. I have to put it in here. Oh, do it! Titus, (laughs) Titus auditioning for Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark. It's so good. And I will crush that Spider Man, and then that other Spider Man, and all. Spider-Man Till I'm The Spider-Man Spider-Man We're at it again This time with 50% more Spider-Man Oh yeah Not quite a bug Not quite a man How do I break out From the Spider-Man clan Trap me in a cup and put me outside with all those other Spider-Men. We're at it again. This time we're even more Spider-Men. Another fifty Spider-Men, a trillion Spider-Men. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, thinking about Julie Tamer doing musicals. I was like, oh my god, what if she did like a <laughs> What if she did a film version of Diana the Musical? It would be like, oh. it would be like the most unhinged thing ever. Oh, oh I would be in the front row. That I would watch be, this. That would be amazing. With my popcorn and my Coke and my heart and I my mean, soul. I mean, should we do Diana the Musical for this podcast? Hell yeah. <laughs> I haven't oh. seen it yet and Emily's hyped it up. Oh. I just can't. I'm so excited. It's on Netflix. I'm so I, but I'm just thinking, Julie Taymor, Diana the Musical, like... Oh my oh, god. What a con- I just don't want to see Tom Hooper's version of Diana the Musical. He would try to make it like... Tom Hooper? Tom Hooper? The guy who did Les Mis and Oh, Cats. Emily, I love Les Mis. You want to see him do Diana the Musical? I... <laughs> and make I it wouldn't like... go that far. And make it this... I love the live Les Mis. And make movie. it this like grim, like basically like this... <laughs> The Zack Snyder version of Diana. The oh, 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 okay, I would see that. Oh my I would god! Love to see that. I know your feelings. I know you love Les Mis, and I really did not care for it. Oh, some parts Changed of it, I life. some parts of it I liked, but some parts I was just like, no. <laughs> it was like the best of theater and film together. 
For you. For you. For me. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people really. I feel, I see, Kristen, I feel that the the voice talent was not up to par. And I feel that when I see singing actors, I want them to be able to sing. When I see a musical. I, I, I loved it. When I, I loved that it wasn't perfect. When I see um, a musical, when I see a musical. I want my singing actors to be singing actors. I like. think that's a fair request. <laughs> I think that's within the realm of reason. Instead of casting for like A-list stars, I like really Russell Crowe. I mean, look what they did. I mean, look at West Side Story. These were not big name actors. I love that they chose re- like actual singing actors and dancers. Like the only one that I wasn't really a fan of was What's-His-Face, Tony. Oh, Ansel? Yeah, Ansel Ansel Elgort. That's the only one where I'm like, uh, why, though? Like, but... His voice is good. His voice was good, but... dead in the eyes. A little bit. I'm like, you didn't need a... I mean, he's like a... It's not like he's a huge A-list. It's not like it's Timothée Chalamet. Like, they didn't have to go with with Ansel Elgort, but you see what you can do when you cast for talent over name, and I'm like, yes, please. I was okay with it. I was okay. I don't... 100% 100% know why, but I mean, there were some of Javert's songs that were left me a little flat. <laughs> but uh, I, there's just something about there's the rough, real readiness about it that I really appreciated. And the, just but. like the Tom Hooperness of it all, like his shaky cam and his Dutch angles. It, and it's like, yeah. uh, I'm just like, this is trying too hard. And oh, I don't know. Opposite. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was absorbed. I remember showing it to my dad after hyping it up. Be like, Dad, mm-hmm. this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I loved it. And my dad was like, Oh my gosh, really? And so he bought it. Oh, and he watched it. And oh. he was like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's my dad is so sweet. He didn't say that, but yeah, you can tell it just like he was just like not impressed. And I was like, That was a a dawning of like maybe one thing that works for one person Mm. doesn't work for another. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm pretty sure cats won't work for either of us though, so Oh no 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 no. It the the trailer is terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen it, Emily? No, I have not. I think I'll wait I'll wait for you. I mean I we had the VHS we had the VHS pro shot that we watched on loop as children that <laughs> I loved, but no, I've not seen the um, <laughs> I've not seen the Hooper version. Oh, and I, you know what? I will admit too, <clears throat> I had never seen any version of Les Mis. Yeah, I never had a chance to fall in love with this story before. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. was my first experience. So I, I will say, in defense of your your valid criticism. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Any anywheres. Oh God, we went off on a tangent. We did. We ended up as yeah. as we are wont to do. Oh yeah, it's it's fine. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. I, 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 I'm okay with it. Was there more with Julie Timor? <laughs> I don't think to? so. I think okay. we. I mean, we went from like Lion King to Spider Man, Turn Off the Dark to Diana the Musical to Lamez to Cats to Cats. Uh, oh, to West Side it's Story. Quite the leap don't forget about West Side <gasps> Story. Yeah. Mm, yes, but. I will say, to support Selma, watch this movie. Learn up, learn about watch it. the the process. Learn about how hard it was for her to make this. I really admire her. She's um, so dynamic as a role. like as a woman and and as you know an actress and um, businesswoman as a figure in the industry and as kind mm-hmm. of a pioneer as well as this Latina who yeah. really made a name for herself in Hollywood. Right. So seriously, against on the odds were stacked against her. So. And fall in love with Frida, you yeah. know. Uh, 
bring whatever you have in your knowledge about Frida yeah. to the table and hopefully come away like artistically fed. I, yeah, I just, I really hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Shall you, Kristen, to the honor of sharing our <laughs> our Instagram handle and email. Please find email us with- on Instagram. <laughs> we, need, we want we want to see. We want to talk to you. We would love to have you come check us out. So we're Female Driven Podcast on Instagram and Female Driven Podcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Please like, subscribe, give us a review. We'd love to engage. Thank you, Thank you so listening. much for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye.